Please be seated. Good morning, everybody. Before we uh, have a little sermon, I thought this would be a good uh, opportunity to thank all of the people who uh, made today possible, beginning with the uh, members of the cathedral who have been your uh, host today and extended hospitality to you. I want to thank uh, the Right Reverend Bill Burrow, who is the retired Bishop of Rochester, who uh, lives here in Arizona and assists me from time to time, and he's going to be helping with the confirmation today. Bill, it's always good to have you with us, and uh, greetings to you this morning. Um, the members of the of Diocesan House staff will be providing you um, snacks after church today, and you can tell who they are because they have the neat little uh, uh, shirts on with our Diocesan logo. Uh, I especially want to thank those who have served as teachers and mentors to you, uh, as uh, those of you being prepared for confirmation. Uh, if we have any of those people here today who were your instructors, uh, just raise your hand and let's give them a hand of applause for their work in doing that. And likewise for... Those who are parents who have supported especially our young people in this process or mentors or friends, you know who they are, uh, but let's have a hand of applause for them as well. If you were in church last Sunday, and I'm sure you all were, uh, you heard a gospel reading which not only sums up the Easter message but which is also the best summary in the New Testament, I think, of what it means to be a Christian. It's the gospel lesson that we heard again today. It's the story of the road to Emmaus. This morning we gather for the sacrament of confirmation, and I would like to return to that gospel passage and return to that journey. So this morning you might say, we're on the road again, on the road to Emmaus. Life is a journey. Yeah, we've all heard that before, right? We're likely to be reminded of that every time we gather for a major life event, like a baptism or graduation, a wedding or funeral, or even a service of confirmation. The journey that we call life is such a part of our human understanding that it's reflected over and over again in the great literature of the world, from Homer's Odyssey to Tolkien's Lord of the Rings. And it's no wonder that so many of us like to travel. When I was in college, it was the road trip. Remember the road trip, grown-ups? When we got older, it was the holiday cruise or the trip around the world, if you were really lucky. There is some deep part of us that wants to see and experience new things, even if that only makes us glad to be home again. We get so excited about our travels that we can hardly wait to share our stories and pictures with our friends. When I was growing up, we would bore our friends with home movies. Now we can do that instantly by posting travel snaps on Facebook and Instagram. Our gospel passage today is about a journey, a road trip. In fact, the passage has come to be known as the road to Emmaus. It reminds us that we as Christians are also on a journey. This should come as no surprise, since there are lots of journeys 
mentioned in the Bible. Noah's sailing in the ark, Moses leading the Israelites into the promised land, Mary and Joseph traveling to Bethlehem, Jesus wandering with his disciples through Judea and Samaria, and of course Paul journeying through most of the ancient world. This particular road trip reminds us that Christians are also called to be on a particular journey, and it's a lifelong trip. It starts with our baptism, and it ends with our funeral. And along the way, we learn what it means to be a follower of Jesus. A friend of mine, Bishop Mary Glasspool of Los Angeles, points out that this particular gospel story is perhaps the best summary of the Christian faith journey ever. And it, that makes it a particularly good text for any time we come together to have a confirmation service or when we renew our own baptismal vows. Now, at first, it doesn't really seem like much of an interesting story. There are two people traveling home. Cleopas, mentioned only once in the New Testament, and another person who is unnamed. Now, it's often assumed that both of these characters were men, but in fact, it doesn't say that, and it could actually be Cleopas and his wife. They are headed to Emmaus, a village not far from Jerusalem, although in fact we really don't know exactly where Emmaus was located, although over the centuries there have been lots of suggestions and churches built in a number of different places. Two undistinguished people on an ordinary road headed home to their little village feeling depressed and discouraged. They had placed such hope in Jesus, and he didn't deliver. They thought that he was going to save the people of Israel. Well, it turns out he couldn't even save himself, it seems, from the executioner. So far, not very inspiring or interesting. But when we stop for a moment, we realize that we have much in common with this pair. Even after experiencing Easter, many of us are still not quite sure what to make of Jesus or what the resurrection could mean for us personally, or even if it's true. In this post-Easter season, most of us are returning to life as usual, headed back to our own Emmaus, perhaps even feeling confused or disillusioned and disappointed. But then, somewhere along the road, the disciples are joined by Jesus. Somewhere in our journey of life, we too encounter Jesus. Of course, many times, we usually don't even recognize him. Sometimes it's only by looking back to our past that we can see Jesus was walking with us all along, even when we didn't know it. But then, step by step, Jesus leads the disciples through their doubts to an experience of him as their risen Lord. And the way they got to that point of belief is kind of a road map for our own journey of faith. We come to our faith questioning and confused, searching for God, often disappointed in the religious experiences that we've had in the past.
I've often been struck by the fact that most of us did not grow up as Episcopalians. I know I didn't. But many of us have experienced with lots of other spiritual approaches. One woman that I confirmed not long ago allowed as how, at different points in her life, she had been a Roman Catholic, a Southern Baptist, a Mormon, a Buddhist, and now finally an Episcopalian. I hope it sticks this time, she said to me. And like the two on the road to Emmaus, we usually start our journey of faith trying to approach God intellectually. On the road, the disciples started to argue about Scripture with Jesus. The first step on their journey was spiritual hunger. The second step was biblical fundamentalism. This was my own path. I first became a Christian when I decided that Christianity made far more intellectual sense than did the secular philosophy I was learning about in college. But at this point on my journey of faith, it was all up here. It was all in my head. But Cleopas and his companion quickly moved from their head to their hearts. There was something about Jesus' brilliant answers that intrigued them and that compelled them to ask them ask him to stay with them and to sit down and have a meal together. They extended hospitality to a stranger. But Jesus quickly turns the table on them, quite literally. He starts off the meal as their guest, but ends it by being their host. He takes the bread and breaks it and gives it to them, and they know for the first time that he is the Lord. They experienced, we might say, the shock of recognition. Has that ever happened to you? Did you ever run into a, an old friend or family member, maybe you hadn't seen each other for many years, and you start talking with them, and you suddenly realize who it is you're talking to, and you say, Oh, my God! Well, that's what these guys did. They said, Oh, my God, and it was their God. <laughs> Jesus hasn't said a word. He simply feeds them, and in that act of feeding them, they recognize who he is. The next step of their faith journey, their actual conversion, was simply to recognize what Jesus was doing for them. Now, as Episcopalians, you may be asked by your friends, how come you always have Eucharist on Sunday? What's with that? Like other churches, we have, too, a lot of words, a lot of explanations of the faith, lots of rational discussion, but the heart of our worship is nonverbal. It's a celebration not of what Jesus says to us, but what he does for us. And we all know that nonverbal communication is the most important part of any relationship. It's how we tell how someone is really feeling when they talk to us. You know, people might say all the right words when they talk to us, but if they can't look us in the eye or, or if they're shifty, they, we might know they're lying. Or if their face turns all white and their lips get all tight, that person is probably really angry whether they will admit that or not. Scientists, in fact, say that as much as 80% of human commu communication is nonverbal. And God's love is nonverbal too. And we recall those loving gestures in the sacrament of bread and wine. 
This is the moment of truth for the disciples on the road. Jesus was the stranger. Now he becomes the risen Lord, not by what he says, but by what he does. Could we find any better reminder that we are known as Christians, not by what we say we believe in our heads, but by the way we treat others? It's almost a cliché, isn't it, that people judge us not by what we preach, but by what we practice. Sadly, Christians don't have a very good track record about this. It's no wonder that so many people today describe themselves as spiritual but not religious. You probably know quite a few of those people. We can hardly blame them when they see churchgoers displaying behavior that is hardly Christian. In fact, many young people who are otherwise quite taken with Jesus don't even want to be called Christians because for them that name carries such negative baggage and is associated with hypocrisy and homophobia and judgmentalism. They simply want to be called Christ followers. The faith journey for the two disciples included one final important step which we often overlook, and that step was to go back to Jerusalem and to share what had happened with them, with, to them with others. They didn't stop, like many church people do, simply with the claim that they had accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. No, they ran back to Jerusalem, apparently in the middle of the night, to wake everybody up and to share the good news that Jesus had been known to them in the breaking of the bread. They were the first evangelists. And the church that we see today was built on their passion and their conviction about what had happened to them. Sadly, we are not so quick to share that news. A wise old priest once told me, the reason the church isn't growing is because we spend far too much time debating about what we believe about Jesus instead of telling others about what Jesus has done for us. This morning, I suspect that you are all on different places on your own road to Emmaus. You may have just begun to walk the pathway of faith, perhaps propelled by your your own search for meaning in life. Or maybe you're simply trying to put one foot in front of the other, headed back to work and home after many disappointments, thinking, is that all there is? Maybe you're further along, trying to make sense from Bible study and debate just what God has in store for you. Or maybe you have caught a glimpse of Jesus in what started as an ordinary conversation or a simple meal. Perhaps you are even blessed to be firm enough in your own experience of Jesus to share that experience with others. But wherever you are on that journey, you can be sure of this that Jesus is with you, whether you recognize him or not. He invites you to walk with him, invites you to break bread with him, and invites you to share the good news in all that you do and say. Our journey of faith 
is just like T.S. Eliot described. We shall not cease from journeying, and the end of all our journeying will be to arrive where we started and know the place for the first time. The place where we start is God, and the place that we end is God. The disciples said, Did not our hearts burn within us as he talked to us on the road, as he was opening the scriptures to us, as he was known to us in the breaking of the bread? Jesus is waiting for you on the road to Emmaus, wherever that might be. He's waiting to guide you home. He's waiting to feed your soul. And he's waiting to take your heart and set it on fire.